It's December 13th, which means this is the prime time to reflect on the past year, 2022, and start to plan for 2023. And and I don't say that to make you more tense. I think sometimes thinking you have to plan for an entire year ahead can be a little bit nerve-wracking. What I mean is just setting your intentions and setting your goals because if you don't in freelancing, unfortunately, you won't reach the goal. You cannot reach a goal you don't set and you have to be really intentional about your freelance goals. It's really about working backward, right? It's about saying this is how much I want to make. These are the type of projects I want to do. What type what steps am I going to take to get there? So I'm going to be talking about how I plan for the year, how I reflect on the past year and how I plan for the upcoming year. And this is going to be a more casual episode because I just want to share with you stuff that's been going on in my life. This isn't going to be my usual educational spiel. So reflecting on your year, if you're anything like me, if somebody says like, tell me what happened in 2022, my mind goes blank. I have no idea what happened in 2022, to be honest with you. It's all a blur. So what I do is I go through my camera roll. For you, it might be a journal. For you, it could be a calendar. The goal is to have events pop up or pictures pop up that jog your memory and say, oh yeah, I had that experience this year. For me, I don't know what it is, but everything tends to blend together and I can't really identify what happened when. So I really need to see things visually. So I want to share with you the personal events that I have been reflecting on through that exercise and also the lessons I learned in my personal life and freelance business. So let's talk about the lessons I learned and things that I want to improve upon based on what happened this year. The number one lesson is like, I will never take a full-time job ever again. Now, I thought I learned this as soon as I became a freelancer and really embodied the self-employed life. I said to myself, okay, this is finally a fit for me. But, and I explained this in a prior video on my YouTube channel, but what happened was I kind of got poached. (laughs) I got on a Zoom call with a potential client and we both hit it off so well that she was like, I really think you should join our organization full time as a content lead. And as somebody who has been contracted to do that type of work, hiring writers and fleshing out a company's core messaging doc and their branding and stuff like that, I was amped and I couldn't believe the money they offered me. And, you know, although I make you know, a similar salary as a freelancer, it's a hustle when you're freelancing, right? It's like piecing together all those different clients and making it work and managing your own business. Whereas if you're a full-time employee, all of that stuff is taken care for you, taken care of by the company, right? And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to have decent health benefits. I really started to weigh the pros and cons of writing for a living on my own as a freelancer versus being employed by a company. And I was curious because I had never written full-time for a company before. As you guys know, I was in a totally different career field before I became a freelancer. I was never in-house, never worked for an agency. So I had no idea what it was like to be an actual internal writer. And I was very curious about where that could lead. So um, long story short, it did not work out. It was just like one event after the other. Probably the biggest being that the woman who hired me quit within a couple weeks of me being brought on. And the organization was so big that I was just genuinely stranded on an island. All of my ideas fell on deaf ears. And I definitely, and I understood early on that my opinion and my voice didn't matter and that I was really fighting an uphill battle. And you know, there's so much talk about quiet quitting these days. And if you can just mail it in and do the bare minimum, like more power to you. But I think I'm just somebody who I'm either totally invested or I need to get out and it'll drive me insane to sit there and act like I'm engaged when I'm not. So I made a hasty retreat and maybe this 
wouldn't be the advice I would offer to other people, but it's just kind of a trend in my life. I quit with no backup plan. I left. I didn't even have a single freelance client secured, again, with the extremes. I think most people would have kept a freelance client or two while taking a new job. But for me, I was like, goodbye, all my freelance clients. I'm going full time. So I don't know. I think I just have like certain extremes to my personality that definitely work against me in situations like this. So once I quit, I was hustling, hustling, hustling to get all of my clients back. Now, not to brag, but I got back up to $5,000 per month very quickly. So you know, all went well, all was fine. I started making a decent income for somebody who had just completely dropped all of their clients. So that's the strength of getting on LinkedIn, cold pitching, having your portfolio dialed in, all of that good stuff that I teach. It really is like this safety net and this security and this insurance plan. But all in all, that was my lesson was that even if it's doing something I love, like writing, I am not somebody who's suited for full-time employment. I don't do well with office politics. It's just feels very, very draining on me. And something I realize is that to really succeed in a corporate environment, I think you need to be someone on some level who likes or at least can tolerate playing the game. And I think for me, that's just such an effort. I know I could do it if I want to. I could play the games. I could do the sucking up. But it goes against my personality so strongly that it winds up making me feel so drained. And I think that's why freelancing is the best fit for me because I don't have to pretend to be anything. I'm not accountable to anyone. I guess the the way I describe being employed full time is like I genuinely feel like someone owns me and it is the most uncomfortable feeling like I I can't I cannot describe how uncomfortable it is that somebody gets to tell me what to do I think I'm somebody who like I would rather call the shots even if the shots I'm calling are totally sabotaging me and I'm screwing up my life it's like oh at least I'm screwing up my life and I'm making a choice I don't know I just I can't stand being told what to do so (laughs) there's that again big takeaway I am not taking a full-time role ever again even if it probably is like a total dream opportunity because I genuinely just I don't even think it's fair to the employer for them to take me on because I'm I'm just not a good employee I quite frankly might be unemployable like that might be the diagnosis for me unemployable (laughs) something else I learned is that I really want to get more consistent about upselling additional services to my existing clients. I want to get more creative with retainers. I just hate asking people for stuff and I need to get over that and I need to just be more bold and start suggesting stuff and even if I get turned down and I kind of came to this realization like a week or two ago and I set out and I started emailing my clients and saying, hey, I can do this for you, you know, pushing myself to do the uncomfortable thing. And what's interesting is that they're not always clients are not always going to be able to give you what you want in terms of like more work or you know extending a budget or whatever but they will try to help you if they like you so like for example i reached out to one of my clients and i was pretty persistent i was like listen i've noticed this this and this i think we should do this but i said you know why don't we like sign a retainer and i'll do this every month and blah 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 and he was like yeah i'll consider he's like actually i was just talking to a friend who works at and he said this big company that would be like a freaking dream for me if i had their logo on my website it would be 
such a dream. He's like, I have a friend at such and such, and I was telling them that you're a good writer. I'm going to send an email and introduce you right now. And he connected us, and I was like, oh my God, we actually make this work. And if I get this client, it would be a game changer. And that's all because I asked him for more work, even if he couldn't offer it to me at that moment. They, you know, people do want to help you. Just remember that. So that's what I'm going to do in 2023 is really be pushier about saying, hey, I want to do this for you. I want to do that for you because it's always just felt so uncomfortable. And it's like, who cares? Just put it out there. And if they say no, you're not going to die. My other big, big learning lesson. This is like a whole story. So I'm going to try to keep this concise because I don't want to ramble. But my biggest lesson was about protecting myself legally as a freelancer. So I'm really lucky that I haven't had any issues for the most part about not getting paid. And I've seen some like total horror stories about clients refusing to pay freelancers. And I just never dealt with that. I don't know if it's because I work for bigger companies that have like these structured marketing organizations. I think, you know, there's a level of professionalism that I've dealt with. But because I've been in like heads down hustle phase after my whole full time role debacle, I got into the trap and what I tell writers not to do, like I definitely didn't take my own advice. But I took on a client that I had a bad feeling about from the beginning and I just took it strictly for the money. I was like, who am I to be turning down any money right now? Like I'm building my freelance business up. This could be a good portfolio builder. Why not just push through it? And I should have just said no. They weren't really directly in my niche. They were so, so new, such an early stage startup and things went sour and they refused to pay me. So I did everything that I tell students to do because I have a whole freelance template packet that explains to you what to do when someone won't pay you and gives you an email template of what to say to them. Well, they completely ghosted. They didn't respond to any of my threats. So I said, you know what, now's a good time for me to hire a lawyer. Like I need to get this whole freelance contract thing. I got to get this dialed in because right now I have a pretty basic scope of work that I send. So it's like I was getting signatures from my clients. I was getting them to agree to stuff, but definitely not like legally binding contract. I wasn't, you know, I was definitely signing anything that came my way, which is not good because I'm a very niched writer. So I need to be really careful about what I agree to because the non-compete language could potentially get me in trouble. I got to be really careful about that stuff. So this was my opportunity to hire a lawyer, get educated about how to actually do this whole thing with the contract and, you know, bite that bullet and invest the money in. And I spent a couple thousand dollars on him drafting up freelance agreements for me, walking me through, you know, how to protect myself. He did some work for me on my online course website. So my privacy policy, stuff that I didn't, you know, again, with with business online and with service-based businesses online, you can just get going so quickly that you turn your head and years go by and you realize you never did that housekeeping, that admin work because it's so boring and you just want to avoid it. Well, that kind of bit me in the ass. And guess what? I really think of the whole situation as a learning lesson. I understand that people don't always have my best interests at heart, that people will try to skate by without paying for services that they got. Like it's a lesson about how shysty people can be and that it's not always a good idea for me to give people the benefit of the doubt. So all is well because number one, it's been fun for me to hire a lawyer and like have the lawyer reach out to them. Like I really feel very satisfied that they know I'm taking legal action against them that like whether I get the money or not is inconsequential at this point. It was only like 2,400 bucks they owed me. So that's not a life-changing amount. And quite frankly, it's more worth my time to go take on another client than to pursue this legally. 
but it's principle for me. It's like, don't hire people unless you're going to pay them. It's strictly principle for me. I don't want them to get away with this. And I especially don't want them getting away with it because these, these men who hired me, I know that they think I'm like this dumb little blonde girl that they can walk all over. She looks young. She's blonde. She's female. No, I'm going to go psycho on you, okay? Like, don't underestimate me. And I, I'm I, people constantly underestimate me because I'm a short blonde girl, but I'm not stupid and I, I can be a bitch and I want them to know that. So they're not going to get away with it. And the great silver lining of all of this is that I'm having a lawyer come on to this week's live coaching call with my course students and educate us all about how to protect ourselves legally. So, I mean, talk about making lemonade out of lemons. It's just a huge learning lesson, and I'm grateful to have had the lesson. Like, I'm not sitting here bitter about it. Again, I don't care about the money. This is strictly principle. I don't like when people try to screw people over. So I would recommend educating yourself on the legal aspects of freelancing, even though, quite frankly, I put that off for years because it's so effing boring. The other thing is not taking advantage of copywriting AI software sooner. So I don't know if this is like a regret necessarily because I don't know if AI was advanced. I don't think AI could do what it's doing right now when I first started as a writer a few years ago. So I think it just is coming on the scene this strong because the capability is there. But I'm partnering with a company called Content Edge and I'm using their software to write my blog post. It's saving me so much time and I, I could go on and on about how this is now an irreplaceable part of my writing process. It's just, if I could explain it in the most simple way, it's this, right? Because people are like, well, how is it like, how are, like, how, how does this work? Like, you're not actually writing it? No, no, no. I am writing it. Here's the thing, and you'll know this if you're a blog writer, okay? When you're writing a blog, you're doing so much research and you're basically, you're conducting all these searches to gain ideas. You see what articles are ranking. You look how they structured those articles. If you don't know something, you see how somebody else has explained something and then you put your own spin on it. That took a lot of searching and clicking and and scanning. AI eliminates that research process essentially because what I do is I put a command in and I'm like, explain in five sentences how to create a compelling keynote speech for a sales kickoff meeting, right? That's something very specific, but it's something I was writing about today, right? And the thing is, is I'm going to have to put my finishing touches on it. I'm going to have to edit everything that's written. I'm going to have to infuse my own ideas and what the client wants into this blog post. But do I really need to write the paragraph defining what a sales kickoff is, right? Like that's what it does for you. It's like does that little grunt work because Part of the outline is like, explain what a sales kickoff is in 50 to 60 words. Well, I'd rather have AI generate what that definition is and then me put the finishing touches on it. So essentially, it's like having a junior writer do a preliminary first draft for you and you going in and doing the more high level work. So if you're not using copywriting AI, there's a lot of options. There's Content Edge, which I recommend. There's Jasper, which I did try and I actually really liked it, but I'm being cheap and I'll probably pull the trigger and buy it, but I'm just being cheap. <laughs> there's Jasper, there's uh, Copy AI. There's so many coming on the scene. And if you're not taking advantage of this, you're just doing grunt work at this point. At this point, it's the equivalent to like transcribing something yourself. Like let's say a client gives you a video and it's like, hey, uh, make this video into an article and you sit there and you listen to the webinar and you type 
type every word. It's like, hello, script, there's transcription technology that does that for you. Why on earth would you waste your time doing it yourself? That's kind of how I feel about copywriting AI. So let's go on to the personal events because if you are not interested in my personal life, <laughs> then you know to end it here. Somebody actually reached out to me after one of my webinars and was like, hey, like I have some feedback. I would definitely appreciate hearing less about your life. I was like, oh, wow, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> anyway, so a some personal events that happened. Let's just start with something lighthearted and funny. I came out of the dentist and was interviewed by like a local news channel on inflation. So yes, of course, coming out of the dentist is the moment everybody wants to be on the news, right? So I'm actually going to play it for you. She's seen it firsthand. A 30-year fixed mortgage rate has jumped to 3.69%, a markup which can change the future of someone's life. Am I going to be able to afford a house? Am I going to be able to afford a bigger apartment that I want to move into? Is New Jersey the best place for me? While some of us may be pulling back on major purchases like a new home or a car, there are others who at least right now aren't feeling... So that was them interviewing me about inflation and all of my friends who like went and saw it, they like make fun of me for that because one of the questions they ask is like, like, how is inflation impacting you? And I was like, well, you can't find like ground, like why is there no ground meat in the supermarkets? Because that's when we were having like those weird food shortages. So whenever my boyfriend's friends see me, they'll be like, how's it how's it how's the ground meat like are you finding <laughs> anyway this was also my first full year sober so i stopped drinking over a year ago now it's so crazy because i've been drinking alcohol since i was like 14 15 years old <laughs> you know whether i had like an alcohol problem or not i think that stuff exists on a spectrum like was i in a gutter face down no was i blacking out no but i also just felt like it didn't do anything positive for me and when you're doing something as a crutch or to numb your feelings or get through social situations and it just i'm like why am i even doing this and as somebody who struggles with their mental health it's the absolute worst thing you can do is drink alcohol and by the way if somebody said that to me before i decided to stop i would have been like mm -hmm, cool because it's something so personal. And it's why I don't really talk about it with anyone. I feel like it's almost like veganism. Okay, no one wants to hear about how bad meat is for you unless you are a vegan and you've made that choice. So I'm definitely not telling anyone to get sober. It's just a lifestyle choice I made. And it's been really interesting because I don't think it's really had any, I think it's only had neg only positive impact on my life. And I kept saying, well, I've never been to a wedding sober. That's going to be interesting. All the other events I could deal with, it was just the wedding thing. I was like, it's going to be so weird going to a wedding and not having a single drink. But even that just wasn't weird. It was it was fine. And my one tip that I would say for anyone who's going to e either do like a quick alcohol fast, like a dry January, or you do want to stop drinking, the number one hardest thing is going to be dealing with how other people judge you. And I think that's why it took me so long to stop because I'm like, I don't want to hear shit from people of being like, come on, drink with me. You're not going to have a drink. Seriously. That's the type of uh, that's the type of action some people can have. And what I would say to that is when you fully own a decision and you could give two Fs what anyone has to say about it, it never even gets brought up. I've probably had one person over a year has said something that annoyed me regarding alcohol. If you simply just own it and say, no, thanks, I'm not drinking, it it's just a non-issue. People don't even dig deeper into it. And I was shocked by that because 
if you're even hesitant about it, I think, or, or you're ashamed about it, or you're embarrassed about it, people pick up on that energy and they start needling you like, come on, why don't you have a drink? What? Come on, uh, one more. You know what I mean? So just own it fully if you do want to try the the sober stuff. <laughs> so when I took that full-time role and then I left, that was extremely stressful for me. It kind of hit a breaking point mentally where I I don't know if I could call it a mental breakdown, but it kind of felt like one. I was just under so much stress, worried about my finances and and not even rationally, which is the craziest part is that it was a lot of events at once. It was me getting rid of all my clients, me taking this full-time job and making that transition and then quitting the job and then having to build back up from scratch. And I didn't have any freelance clients when I quit. Money was a worry for me, not because it was a reality, because in in reality, I had enough saved and I also have the experience where getting clients wasn't going to be an issue for me. However, you cannot be rational with, I guess, your brain when it's under so much stress because I just was so worried. I, I can't even explain to you like the doom and gloom I felt. I was so terrified of what was going to happen next. But then I also had to move suddenly. So between having to move, which is a big financial cost, there's just at the end of the day, moving is expensive, right? You have your deposit and you have hiring movers and decorating a new place. There's all these expenses. So the combination of leaving that job along with the move at once I definitely snapped. I don't know what it is, but the pressure really was just so built up. And when you're already predisposed to certain mental health issues, sometimes those like innocuous seeming events and big changes can really screw with you. And it doesn't seem rational. It doesn't seem logical, but something snaps. And they do say that I've heard this, that too many changes at once causes people to commit suicide. So I know I'm not the only one, but I have to say through that, situation and and having that kind of breakdown, I sought help in a way that I've been very resistant to. And I think I'm taking care of my mental health in a way that I really wasn't open to. I'm one of those people that I want to just say, oh, well, I can do it myself. I can meditate. I can journal. I can be more disciplined. I can handle my mental health. And honestly, if you're somebody like me who is predisposed to this, who it's very prevalent in your family, that there's like a genetic component in your baseline and you have this proclivity toward mental health issues, I'm sorry, but there's certain things that meditation and the law of attraction and positive affirmations, that shit is not going to work for certain issues, okay? Like I... I'm sorry, I was so into personal development and new age spirituality and like holistic healing. Like I used to go to a Chinese medicine doctor. I'm a certified yoga instructor. I went to Costa Rica. I've done (laughs) all that stuff and I've been very against certain mental health interventions. And I I don't want to go into too much detail because it's personal. But guess what? I kind of accepted that, hey, I'm having a hard time mentally. I struggle mentally way more than other people do. And I need to start taking care of myself and being more open to getting certain help that I need. And now I'm doing that and I'm way more stable. So 
again, I think freelancing is great for people with mental health issues. It's really a job that is so much more comfortable for us than full-time employment. And if you're struggling, you are so not alone. Just want you to know that. Exciting investments. So something that I'm doing is being more lenient and less cheap about what I invest in. I'm finally getting to that point in my business where I'm realizing that being as tight as possible and keeping costs down can actually work against me. Right? I'll just give you a prime example. My course platform that I offer you guys, my online course, is through a software brand called Kajabi. They have an awesome course platform and it's expensive, right? It's a couple hundred bucks per month. I mean, in my opinion, it's expensive. Maybe for some people it's not, but I think we're so used to free stuff that paying a couple hundred bucks for platforms these days for software is, it does seem jarring. But the thing is, when you think of everything I need to do for my business, like the email marketing, the freebies that you guys download, the podcast, everything is hosted by Kajabi, right? So it's a matter of investing the couple hundred dollars into Kajabi. So just for the sake of not having to string together a bunch of free software platforms, like investing in programs like Descript, a transcription service for and that I use for my freelance writing business and to edit my YouTube videos, I'm investing more, okay? And we can write all this stuff off as freelancers and we should be. Also, I invested in a course about project management. I know it sounds so exciting. Please contain yourself. But the course is called Up Level with Asana. It's hosted by Louise Henry. I'm probably going to become an affiliate for her because I loved her course. I love her teaching style. She is just breaks technology down in such a simple way. And like women like her, when I like they have this like sweet voice and I'm always like, God, I'm such like a brash. <laughs> I just think the way she speaks is so cute. And the way I speak is like, I don't know, someone from New Jersey. <laughs> so if you want to learn from someone, she is a great teacher. I invested around $1,000 in her course, Up Level with Asana. And now I'm running my entire life out of Asana. And it's been such a game changer. I even added a module to my course, how to create a freelance client pipeline in Asana, how to track your projects. I'm doing everything and I'm so organized. My shopping lists, everything is in there. And keeping your goals front and center is so, so key. We need to see it constantly. I also invested in a weight loss program called Best Body by Dr. Rachel Paul. Again, obsessed with her program and wish she offered an affiliate, but it's pretty much like very basic nutrition guidelines. I think I've taken these courses where it's like, this is not the first weight loss course I've invested in. I struggle with my weight. And I've taken stuff in the past where it's like intuitive eating, just you know, feel it. It's like, no, dude, give me tangible advice that I can use because I want to lose weight. But that was a great way for me to like learn nutritional basics and build consistent routines and just, you know, work on my health and, and seek the help that I needed in that department. So it's a big year of courses for me, which is awesome. I'm somebody who's really obsessed with online courses. And I have this belief that for every problem I have in my life, there is somebody out there online teaching a course about it. So that's why I'm so passionate about digital courses and this product that I offer you guys. It's like, no, I'm not just somebody who created something. I'm an avid consumer of courses and I try to look at what I like and don't like and I try to provide a good experience for you guys based on my own experiences. So my next video is going to be about how to set your freelance income goals for 2023, but this was more of a reflection episode and I hope you guys enjoyed it. Let me know how you liked this episode. Send me a DM on Instagram. I read every message and 
you know, if you want me to just shut up about my personal life and stick to teaching about LinkedIn and how to get copywriting clients, I am open to that feedback. All right. Happy planning and happy reflecting.